Full disclosure, I'm sick, okay? I, I'm not one to make excuses, but if I uh, have to clear my throat a hundred times and I lose my voice, uh, I just want to make sure that uh, you guys know that. Um, but I, I'm super stoked to be here, uh, and I know what a lot of you are thinking. I know, I know what you guys That was a really fast 18 months. <laughs> but, no, actually, uh, Pastor Rob is at the, uh, he's at the, the TP, TP USA Winter Gala, and so Gala Gala, and so he is there with uh, Michelle, and they're having a blast, and uh, seeing how much growth, he, he posts on his, his Instagram, if you guys follow Rob on Instagram too, you can see kind of updates with that, he, it's really, really epic, and Pastor Rick's uh, on, on, on mission in, in Idaho doing something, and so I'm up, I, I was just announced last week, it feels weird saying it myself, it feels like I shouldn't be allowed to say it, uh, but it was just announced last week that uh, starting the new year, it'll start an 18-month process uh, of me becoming senior pastor here at Godspeak, and I'm, I'm really, really, really excited. You guys are amazing. And I, I was thinking about it last night, because uh, I, taught, I taught last night too, and genuinely I was, I was, I was bummed because I, I felt like it wasn't, it wasn't as good as Rob could have done. And, and I feel like I'm going to be battling this. Uh, for, and, and, I, and I just, I seriously, genuinely appreciate your guys' patience. As I'm growing, and the, the shoes to fill are huge, and that's not just because Rob has gigantic feet, which he does. <laughs> but the sho- it really is. It's, it's just the weight of it, the weight of it, the mantle being passed. And I, I just, I'm so grateful for the your guys' encouragement, unending encouragement that you, you all have shown me, and uh, I'm blessed. The best, Pastor Rob says this all the time, the best congregation in the world, you guys, I love you guys, and I feel like Garrett on the announcement video, trying to not cry, <laughs> but I love you guys, and, and I, I, really, I really do, um, I, I'm, I'm excited to be here to teach, and so even though it's not going to, I'm not Rob, I'll never be Rob, and, and, and I don't want to be Rob, even though he's amazing, but I'm me, and so thank you for your patience as you get used to me. So I'm going to be teaching today, I'm going to be teaching next week also, and then Pastor Rob will be here for our Christmas Eve services on Sunday morning as Dewey was announcing in the golf cart. Uh, so as, as, before we get started, our, our ushers here, I'm going to just have them do this now. They have Bibles. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand and grab one, and you can keep that one if you don't have one. And we have little microchips in the Bibles, <laughs> so we know whether or not you read them. And then if you don't read them, they self-destruct. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that would be wild. <laughs> now, so Pastor, Pastor Rob... He, he, again, if my, if, if my voice cracks, it doesn't normally crack. If my, if I, it's just, uh, I'm battling this, but the Lord will sustain me. I was on, I was literally on my knees this morning. It's like, Lord, only you, only you can do this. So uh, continue to pray as, as, as we, I say, amen, thank you. Um, so uh, Pastor Rob shared with you guys when we got back from South Korea a couple weeks ago, and it was an amazing trip. We had a, a conference put on by Mina Kim. She is amazing. She is like the, the Charlie Kirk of South Korea. And Build Up Korea is kind of like the turning point faith of South Korea. And it was their first conference. Pastor Rob was speaking at it, and I was leading worship. An amazing experience. And while we were there, we got to, uh, I, did this, I did this last night too. I cannot forget this. I cannot forget this. I do not want to forget to pray over the tithe and offering. Okay? 
And I, I got a, I got a note, I got a message last week, like, we need to stop forgetting to pray over the tithe and offering. I was like, and I saw, we're going to pray, okay? We're going to pray and thank the Lord. Jesus, we don't want to be the people that we get, we get from you, and then we don't turn around and say thank you. And so this isn't a time where we ask for anything else. We just, we say thank you. We love you. We give you the glory. We want wisdom to know what to do with what you've provided for us. Thank you for the generosity of your people in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So build up Korea. We're in South Korea. And while we were there, we took a trip four hours south to to South Korea's southern border, kind of eastern southern border. And we were in a city called Busan. And we visited a church, visited a church there, Pastor Son, Seguro Church, I think is the name of the church. I don't really know exactly how to pronounce it. The the Korean language is insane. Like I've I've traveled to to Israel and other places, and oftentimes you can pick up on stuff, like just very general things. In, in South Korea, there's, I couldn't, even just hello, I was like, nope, I don't know how to say that. And so I just was relying on the translators. But we took that, that, that trip south, four hours south, and it was, it was really remarkable. We, we went to this church, and this church was, was amazing. Church in South Korea is different, wildly different than church here in America, especially church here in California. In California, we have blinders on. We really do. It's so awkward during like, the time of greeting. High five, handshakes, hugs. And you guys are like, hi. Hey, how are you? My name, I know we met last week. Oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot. And, and we come in and we go out. We got our blinders on. Here at, at this church in South Korea, it was an all-day adventure. It was a family. They were there all day having fun, eating together, breaking bread together in this community. This, this sanctuary, it seated 6,000 people. It wasn't full, but it was a huge sanctuary. Tons of people there, at least a couple thousand people there. And we met with the, pa- the pastor, the lead pastor in his office. It's like an office slash conference room. And we're meeting, just talking, translator. He taught a sermon, about two hour long sermon, epic awesome sermon. And at the end of the sermon, what he did is he asked if, there any, if there's anybody that gave their life to Jesus today, or a new believer, or this their first time in church in a long time, their first time here, stand up. And there was about 25, 30 people stood up. And then they played this really cool music, and all the little kids ran bouquets of flowers to all of the new people. It was really sweet, really an awesome, sweet time. And then they ushered them away, like they took them away somewhere. <laughs> I was like, oh no, what's happening? And so after, after the sermon, after, after the sermon, Pastor Stone's sermon, we, we had lunch. They fed everybody. Everybody that was there, they fed them. It, it, the food, it wasn't the best food, but it was, they, there was a lot of it. There was a lot of it. And it was so cool. It was like just like the grandmas and the moms, like it was just, they had this huge kitchen and a blessed time of just breaking bread and fellowship together. And that, we ate, I refused some things, I ate some things. And then we, we proceeded to walk. We're just kind of getting a tour of the place. We walked by that office that we met Pastor Sona in in the morning. And he's, he's there. He's going crazy. He's got a whiteboard. And those 25 people that they ushered off, he's teaching them a new believer study, a new believers class right there Sunday morning on the spot. There's no, ch- no time to leave. No time to leave. No time to get away. He's teaching them. He's going through church history. What does it mean to be a Christian in the Trinity? And I'm just, that's crazy. After I preach 45 minutes, I was like, I'm, I, it's nap time. Like, it's, not, it's not new believer study time. But he was just going in. And so there's a, another, another service, 
Pastor Rob taught a service. And, and this wasn't just like our three services. This was a different service, a culmination of the day, the day happening. And, and at the end, Pastor Sohn, he comes up. It's like, it's 4.30 at this point. Pastor Sohn comes up. And he started, he started in a full suit and tie. He ends the day with uh, his, his, just his white button-up, rolled-up sleeves, ties gone. And, and, and he's been there all day, preaches another sermon. At the end of the sermon, it's like five, five o'clock or so, he invites those 25, 30 new believers up on stage in front of everybody. Come on up, invites them up. They all pile up on stage. They've been there for a full work, a full eight eight hours at this point. And he brings up, up on stage and, and what, he, what he does is he proceeds to test every single one of them in front of everybody. <laughs> he, tests, he tests them all. What does it mean to be a Christian? What is the Trinity? And then he, they got it wrong and then everyone would laugh at them. <laughs> They're like, we'll come back. What is the Trinity? What is the Trinity? Okay, great. Yay, everyone claps. They got it. Test them. There are people in the back hiding. Didn't want anything to do with it. And he was like, hey, 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 you come here. Like, come here. What do you need to do to be saved? Some would call it cruel. But we're actually going to do that now. If this is your first time here, come on. No, I'm kidding. Some of you guys have been coming to church your whole life and you can answer some of those questions. But what did, what's the importance, the test, the testing of a faith? What's the importance? Pastor Stone understood the importance of knowing God's word, understanding truth, understanding doc, doctrine. He didn't want anyone to leave the church thinking that they were a Christian if they actually weren't. He understood the importance of 2 Timothy 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Understanding truth, doctrine, theology. And it would be great if we didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> if we could just sit around, kumbaya, don't worry about truth, don't worry about learning, studying, don't worry about pointing out things that are wrong, errors. And the day is coming when we get to take that cosmic sigh of relief there's a new heaven, new earth. We don't have to worry about any of that. But that day is not now. Until that day, just as real as the spirit of Christ is in us, the spirit of the Antichrist is equally real. Not equal, but equally real. Not the Antichrist. We'll read about that in Revelation as we get there next week. Isn't that fun? We get to usher in. What, what a Christmas, an awesome Christmas season message next week as we study Revelation the end of the world. <laughs> but we study to show ourselves approve because the Antichrist spirit, the Antichrist spirit that is in the world now seeks to trick us, entice us. We must learn how to discern the difference. Discern the difference. It's not as easy as you might think. And just like those new believers in that church in South Korea, just like they were tested to check their own authenticity, just like their own theology was tested, we believers are called to test the doctrine that not just the world, but the church also tells us is true. They're presenting to us truth, and it's our job to test whether or not that is truth or error. 
Christ spirit or the antichrist spirit? My, my truth or error, that might, have, that might have rang a bell for some of you guys who volunteered at VBS. Truth or error, this was my absolute favorite part in VBS where what happened was we, we had two categories, truth and error, and the person on stage said something, a claim, a truth claim, a claim, and everybody, all the kids had to yell out whether that was true or false, right or wrong. It was such a sweet time, my favorite time, especially to see our kids be able to do that. The enemy has done everything he can to convince and confuse my generation, the younger generation, really all of us though. Not that there is no truth. It's not that, even though that sounds right, that the enemy would convince us that there is no truth. No, it's not that there is no truth. It it is that there is no error. That He's trying to convince us that everything is truth. Everything is truth. And if everything is true, then nothing is true. There is error. And God forbid that you call that error out. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Our kids need this, but VBS isn't enough. Sunday school isn't enough. For us, church service isn't enough. Our kids need doctrine. I've heard people say, you crazy Christians, you have to stop indoctrinating your children. Do you know what my response is? No. No, because if I don't indoctrinate my children with truth, someone is going to indoctrinate my children with lies. Amen. Amen. I will teach my kids what is true, what is truth, and what is error, and how to discern the difference between both of those things. As we look at our study, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error in 1 John chapter 4. You guys can open your Bibles, open your Bibles and stand up for the reading of the word. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers already gave you one. So you do have a Bible. (laughs) We stand for the word of God, sit for the word of the preacher. The first we honor, the second we tolerate. That's what Pastor Rob says. 1 John chapter 4. I have it up on the screen if you guys need it there. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word, the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong. Lord, we pray that you would make it clear to us that we'd be able to retain the information, Lord, that we would be able to be efficient, effective soldiers for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Take a seat. Relax. Relax. So we're reaching the end of our year, the end of our year here, and as we reach the end of our year... Our calendar year, we, each, we reach the end of our anchored reading. 
And as our anchored reading culminates in Revelation, as I talked about before, as we next week we'll be in Revelation, the first half of Revelation, I'll be picking through next week to see what to preach uh, for you guys, with you guys. And, and we have at, at the end of the New Testament, as the, the New Testament culminates, just before the last book, a warning of things to come, the book of Revelation, the New Testament ends by saying five times in the opening verses of 2 John, so we have 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Jude, Revelation. The New Testament ends by saying five times in the opening verses of 2 John and five times in the opening verses of 3 John, a warning. Continue to be faithful in the truth is the theme. Truth, truth. I'm not gonna read these verses, but we see here highlighted how important truth, truth, truth. Five times, 2 John, in the opening first few verses, in the opening first few verses of 3 John, truth. Truth, and immediately following the three books, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, we have Jude, and the overarching theme of Jude is truth. Contend for the truth. John eight thirty two says that the truth will set you free. The enemy doesn't want you free as we approach Revelation, both in this year, in our anchored reading, and in time, in this chronological time period that we have on earth. The enemy wants as many people enslaved as possible as we enter that time. And we live, we live now in a time where it's considered moral and virtuous to accept and affirm what individuals and society as a whole feel and deem as good or truthful. And acceptance is our culture's currency. Acceptance is our culture's currency. And in order to accept everything, you have to ignore the truth. Blind acceptance is even conflated sometimes and misinterpreted, misunderstood as love. But we know that love is truth. Love tests before it accepts. Testing before acceptance is love in action. And we have here in our passage in 1 John chapter 4, the playbook, the principles given to us by God to test what is true, to know what it is that we ought to accept, and what it is that we ought to reject. And at the time that John was writing this, there were two specific widespread heresies. One of them kind of fits under the other. One of them's kind of a tenant of the other. We're going to get a little nerdy here. We're going to say some words that I don't know how to pronounce. And they were gaining headway in the church in the heresies of Gnosticism and Docetism. Gnosticism and Docetism. Gnosticism was a prominent heretical movement of the second century Christian church, partly a pre of pre-Christian origin. Gnostic doctrine taught that the world was created and ruled by a lesser divinity and that Christ was an emissary of the remote supreme divine being and that salvation was attained only through esoteric knowledge or gnosis, Gnosticism, gnosis, knowledge. And then docetism kind of fits under that the Greek word of dokim, to seem, to seem. It became more fully developed as an important doctrine, doctrinal position of Gnosticism. And this docetism was a false doctrine that taught that Jesus did not actually suffer and die. But it just seemed like he did. Seem, seem, to seem. But rather, he only appeared to do so. The belief that Jesus was not actually fully human and a celestial, only just a celestial substance that only pretended to be human. 
only pretended to be human. What is this an attack on? What is this an attack on? The incarnation. The in, what we are celebrating here in this season. Jesus coming in the flesh. The incarnation. What we celebrate during Christmas. And while the false doctrines of Gnosticism and Docetism, they're not widespread now overtly, we have many ideologies, religions, and doctrines, belief systems. These philosophies today, and they set themselves up. They set themselves up against the truth of who Christ actually is. The truth of his birth, the truth of his life, his actual physical life, and the truth of his actual physical resurrection. The saving hope found through his sacrifice on the cross, his actual physical sacrifice on the cross. That picture of pure, beautiful love, the act of God desiring and committing to creating us in his image. Let us make man in our image. And now fallen in rebellion, we're living out the antithesis of that. Antithesis. 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 This great act of apostasy or or pulling away from, from truth is on display everywhere, all over the place. Let us make Christ in our own image is, is what we end up getting in our culture today. And without the tether of truth, without the tether of truth of Christ's word to secure us to sound doctrine, we will fashion a Jesus in our own image. One that bends and sways to every belief that we in our flesh feel is true, that we feel is true. And that's why it's so important that we understand that it's not our feelings that guide us to truth. It's not what the, the culture says that guides us to truth. It's what God word, God's word says that guides us to truth. And that's why John says in verse one, beloved, I love you. I love you. That's why I'm telling you this. Don't believe everything you hear. Do not believe every spirit. Believe to think to be true, to be persuaded of, to credit place confidence in. Ephesians 4, 14 through 15 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. A little caveat, I'm I'm preaching a sermon on truth, but I'm going to tell you a quick little story about me lying to my two-year-old. Okay, this is, this is a tactic, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, no, I'm not, <laughs> I, I just, I, I know that you're going to accuse me of this, so I'm just putting it out, out, out there first. So my youngest son, Abel, my youngest son, Abel, he's two, he just turned two, December 6th or something, and <laughs> I have five of them, okay, I, it's, it's hard, it's hard to remember. <laughs> yeah, December 6th, yeah, December 6th, so he's two, and and I can literally convince him of anything. I can, if you have a two-year-old, you understand this. I can convince him of anything, anything that I want. And so he has this thing, this thing that he does. And when I'm doing dishes, yes, I do dishes. And so there, we have our dishwasher and I'm, I'm trying to load the dishwasher. And you know, as two, uh, two tiers, he, he stands on the open lid, stands on the open lid and then he's the perfect height to where like he's eye level with the top drawer and he just like pushes it back and forth 
and like blocks me from putting stuff in. And he's trying, he thinks he's helping me, but really he's just taking clean dishes out and putting them back. And it's just like chaos. And so what I did, this was like a couple, a couple days ago, I was just looking at him doing it, just realizing it was, it was so difficult. And I just went, oh my gosh, hot, 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 hot. And he's like, hot. It's like, yes, hot. Don't touch it. It's hot. Because that's, that's really the only thing that he's been able to understand yet. And so the dishwasher is hot, so he doesn't touch it, even though he was just holding it, and it was clearly not hot at all. <laughs> we'll have to fix that later. But it was very beneficial for me in that moment. <laughs> But the illustration of children tossed to and fro, as we, we read in that verse in Ephesians, what are you being persuaded by? Don't be like that. Don't be like the two-year-old that is just doing whatever is told to him, presented to him as truth. Christian faith is not spiritual gullibility. Spiritual gullibility should be the name of, maybe we should do a sermon series called Gullible Christianity. And then we can throw in Garrett's gummy bear Christianity. We call it gullible gummy bear Christianity. Just the soft, mushy, sticky, just whatever it says, whatever, whatever it said goes, whatever I feel goes. Churches go under oftentimes and experience turmoil in leadership because their leadership, they're not equipped or maybe they're not bold enough to discern the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist. They're both spirits, but they're not the same. And there's a phrase that I need you guys to, to, to mark right now as one of the biggest red flags ever. One of the biggest red flags is when someone says, I'm just spiritual. I'm just spiritual. Dude, I met this, this chick. She's so rad. She's so cute. And my parents love her. She's the nicest. Does she love Jesus? She's like super spiritual. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Just spiritual without Jesus is demonic. Super spiritual without Jesus is super demonic. <laughs> we need to be able to discern the difference between those Spirits. What spirit? Just spiritual. What spirit are you talking about? Notice that John does not say believe every doctrine or ideology. But he says do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every spirit. And I already lost some of you. There goes Pastor Micah talking about spirits again. <laughs> and that's exactly where Satan might want you is to believe that the only thing that is happening is what you can see. That what your eyes process is reality. And that's it. There's nothing deeper. But it is spiritual. Those ideas are not just ideas. John MacArthur has a quote. says, The world is imprisoned in belief systems. They are fortified there in the sense that they are impregnable in their ideologies. Those fortifications in which they live become their prisons and end up their tombs. 
They die there. But it's not just ideology. John says spirit. The ideology is the vehicle. The ideology is being driven by the spirit. There is a spirit driving the ideology and it's your job and my job and our job as Christians and followers of Jesus to discern and figure out whether that is the spirit of God or the spirit of Satan, the spirit of Christ or the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of truth or the spirit of error. So what are some of these Antichrist spirits? Antichrist spirits. We have the spirit, Antichrist spirit of pride. Pride. LGBTQQIP2SAA+. Some of you guys think that's a joke. LGBTQQ, don't forget the second Q, IP2SAA+. Plus, I had to memorize that for the sermon. You know how nauseating that is? It's an acronym that stands for, for, le, for, stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, how could you not be? Intersex, pansexual, two-spirit, just in case one spirit wasn't enough, androgynous, and asexual, and then the plus sign, just in case we left anybody out. Someone pointed this out last night. You notice, you notice what letter's not in there? There's no H in there for hetero, heterosexual. Why? Because we're tolerant of everything except God. We tolerate everything except truth. Everything except truth. It was crazy. In my editing, I, I use, do you guys know what Canva is? I use Canva to edit these slides. And while I was editing these slides, I, I had to take a screenshot of this. It was crazy. So, when I was editing these slides, you see that banner up there that's blue? Every time I would write out the word pride and press enter, there is an animation, a rainbow animation, and then that banner up there turns into a rainbow. And I thought this verse was a really good verse to trigger that animation. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16 8. But it's everywhere. I couldn't get away from it. And I say, I, I was typing out pride. Every time I hit pride, I was like, yeah, I, was even, I, I forget about it. I hit pride. It's like, ooh, pride. It's like, oh my goodness. Canva, I love the product, but come on. It's brutal. It's brutal. Abortion. Spirit of pride. I can do whatever I want. It's my body. It's me. I am the most important person. You guys saw that, that, that Cosmo article upholding satanic abortion. It's like, hey, if, if you want to take... A, Satanic ceremonial abortion, this is how you do it, just in case you want to know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Antichrist spirit. The spirit of lust is another antichrist spirit. It leaves us with our devastating divorce rate, our broken marriages, our addictions, hypersexualized culture. And if you guys are wondering why, sometimes it might sound like I want to say something, our addictions specific addictions when I'm talking about lust. Some, I choose not to because I know when little ears hear things that they're, they're not supposed to hear and then they, 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 they figure something out that they weren't supposed to hear. So I try to be really specific and, and I avoid words, not because I don't think that you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to be specific, but because I don't want to awaken something in someone that they don't, they don't, they've never heard that before. 
Does that make sense? Amen. Lust, our hypersensualized culture. Little kids addicted to things that would blow your mind. And adults, full-grown adults addicted to things that are even, even worse, unimaginable. It, the ideology of lust, is, the ideology of, of physical attraction is driven by the spirit of lust, the antichrist spirit. It's not just physical attraction. It's not just an affair. It's the spirit of lust, this, a spirit of error and error. The spirit of lust parades itself disguised in the, word, the world's ideology of love. It's just self-love. We just fell out of love. That's not how love works. You can't just fall out of love. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. You fall out of lust. Don't let the spirit of lust trick you into thinking that you love someone. If you're struggling with lust, just admit it. But don't call it love. God is love. Don't insult what God is and what God did for you on the cross by conflating it with the spirit of lust, the spirit of error. The Antichrist spirit of hate, anti-Semitism, racism, real, actual racism. You guys, you guys saw these lovely ladies? Uh, the, the president of Penn, of University of Pennsylvania, she resigned yesterday, actually. <laughs> and... and they struggled to say whether or not calling for the genocide of Jews was considered a breach of their code of conduct. Whether it, it was constituted as hate speech. Well, it depends if the speech turns into action. So it's not hate, hate speech unless the act of genocide inspires the conduct and it's being committed. But not using the correct, actually incorrect pronouns is considered sexual abuse. See, it's not about the hate speech, I get it. I know that that, that word, that phrase has been used to, to, to suppress our, our, our freedom of speech. I, I, I understand that. I understand the freedom of speech. I understand that the need for it and how hate speech, is, it, it, it's a debate in and of itself. But the point is the double standard. That the calling for the genocide of a people group is okay, but misgendering someone is not. The double standard. When a Christian says something that's actually true and loving, it's considered hate speech. But when someone says something truly evil and hateful, it needs more context. It's the acceptance of everything but what Jesus says. This is the spirit of error, the antichrist spirit. But be careful, because we just, we just slung a lot of stones. We just, it was really easy to cast cast a lot of stones outside because these are all things that maybe we don't really struggle with. And you might be thinking, well, I don't really, I don't really struggle with, with that. I, I'm faithful to my wife. I, I don't struggle with my sexuality at all. And I'm not hateful. And so we're good, right? Well, the Antichrist spirit of pride, the spirit of pride, the same spirit can be driving two different vehicles, two different ideologies, one that you struggle with and one that you might not struggle with. The same spirit of pride that influences the person struggling with their sexuality and, and inspiring them to be proud about who they are and think of themselves more than they ought to is the same spirit of pride influencing you to refuse to admit 
that you're wrong. Proverbs 16, 18, as we saw before, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Haughty, exaltation. Do you exalt yourself higher than you ought to? The spirit of pride. The spirit, the antichrist spirit of lust. The same spirit of lust that influences the man or the woman to commit adultery. Maybe you don't struggle with that. It's the same spirit of lust that influences you to look a little bit longer than you know you should at an Instagram post. Uh Uh-oh, stepped in it. What does your Instagram explore page look like? What does your TikTok for you page look like? If you don't know what I'm talking about, thank God. Literally, thank God. But this is some of that crossover. We were talking about the, the, the person speaking reaches about 15 years older and a 15 years younger. And so this one's really, it's, it's that 15 to 30, what we're talking about. Well, really like 10 to 30. What is your Instagram and TikTok? They do a really good job of knowing exactly what your flesh wants to see. Especially TikTok, that for you page, man. That'll get you. You, you looked at that for 0.76 seconds longer than you looked at the other thing. And so I'm going to give you more of that. And then you looked at it and you're like, I can't get away from it. I'm going to teach you guys something cool. On Instagram, your Instagram Explorer page. Does it, do you guys know what I'm talking about, Instagram Explorer? Some of you don't, do, some of you don't. Some of you do. If you do, this is for you. Instagram, there's a trick. There's a trick. Your Explorer page. If you hold down the picture, one of them, it gets bigger. So you're like, ah, it's bigger. But then there's an option and you can press not interested. Not interested. And then at the bottom it says, do you want to mark more things that are not interested? Yes, I do. And then you can go through and highlight the things that you're not interested in. That you're not interested in. Because it's important to abstain from that spirit of lust. If you care that much about your pursuit of the spirit of truth, you do it. Do you struggle with this? Then delete it. Just delete it. You don't need it. Matthew 5, 27 through 28 says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The spirit of hate, antichrist spirit of hate, the same spirit of hate that influences someone that's anti-Semitic or just actually racist, hateful, influences the one who yells obscenities at the TV or verbally abuses his family or her family, explodes in rage. Just a few verses later in this chapter, 1 John 4.20 says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? That one is brutal. That one's hard. That one's difficult. The spirit of hate. We understand these spirits. There's just a few, but they're all anti-Christ. They're all anti-Christ spirits that we have to be aware of. The ideology looks different a lot of times, but the spirit, we have to be able to test. We have to be able to test them. Back at verse one, test the spirits, whether they are of God. We have no excuse to be biblically illiterate in today's day and age. We have no excuse to be doctrinally illiterate. We have to study that we may grow up 
to show ourselves approved, whether they are of God. John phrases this testing as a commandment. He doesn't say suspect the spirits. No, he doesn't say just be suspect of the spirits. Test them. What does that mean? Care. Care. That means that this, the test can be passed. The test can be passed. Yearn to see God move. You don't want to miss when it is the spirit of God. You don't want to get so pessimistic that anything that comes across, someone says something, sends something to you, says, hey, I just got this breakthrough. Hey, I just got this prophecy. I want to pro-. And you're like, no, I don't care. No, you have to test. You have to test. First Thessalonians 5, 19, 19 through 22 says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test all things. That same word test. Hold fast what is good, but abstain from every form of evil. This is my shortcoming in my flesh. And I know that I've missed out on beautiful moves of God's spirit because I don't care enough to test. I got a prophecy for you. What? Like, I've heard it. I don't want to hear it. There's a move. This is a move. This is a move. That's a move. Whatever. I don't trust that it's not. It, you can't just not trust that it's not. We have to test. We want to test the, spirit, the spirits, but we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. And this word test, sometimes translated to the English word try, is used all throughout the Bible some 23 times in the New Testament alone and forms of it, tons of forms of it in the Old Testament to test Examine, prove, scrutinize to see whether a thing is genuine or not as metals. This is the classic example of the refiner's fire. In the Christian walk, we're both, both the test subject and the tested ministers. We are the subject of the test, as, as is a lot of examples in the Bible, but we also are the ones who give the test. The process is beautifully articulate. This is from the encyclopedia that's what we used before Google. <laughs> Do you remember when all you had, it's like you had your parents and the encyclopedia and like some people you knew. And then if it wasn't, if you couldn't get the answer in any of those things, you're just like, well, I guess I just won't know. <laughs> I just, I just, I guess I just don't have that information yet at this point in my life. I haven't unlocked that, that part. <laughs> but so this is from the actual encyclopedia, the actual encyclopedia, the principle of assaying gold and silver. And assaying is that the chemical process used to, to determine the proportions of precious metals in a substance. It's a very simple, it's very simple theoretically, but in practice, great experience is necessary to ensure accuracy. And there is no branch of business which demands more personal and undivided attention. The result is liable to the influence of so many contingencies that no assayer who regards his reputation will delegate the principal process to one not equally skilled with himself. Besides the result ascertainable by weight, there are allowances and compensations to be made which are known only to an experienced assayer. And if these were disregarded, as might be the case with a mere novice, the report would be wide from the truth. And with the same amount of care and diligence, the same amount we are to use when testing the spirits. We are to be that experienced person, that experienced tester, the one who knows. Why do we have to be so diligent? Because Satan is cunning. 
He's crafty. He gets as close to the real authentic thing as possible in hopes that he can pass our test. And why would he make it easy? He doesn't. He really doesn't make it easy at all. He's hoping that our tests fail. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15 says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. You can call yourself a minister of righteousness. You can call yourself an apostle, a worker of the Lord, but in the end, you will be judged according to your works and God sees it all. Just because someone says they're a prophet on Instagram, just because someone, uh, you found a clip of something that sounds true, doesn't mean that it is true. Satan has been wrapping death and destruction in shiny, seductive packages since the beginning of time. Charles Spurgeon has this awesome quote, I never get over the beard. Beware, error often rides to its deadly work on the back of truth. On the back of truth. Error tries to be as close to the truth as possible so that it can pass the test. We have everything that we need in the word of God to be able to test and know what is truth and what is error. And just as the analogy, the illustration of the testing of metals, the metrics by which we test are here found in his word. We see John address what the the test is at the beginning and at the end of the passage. In verse two and three, he makes it pretty straightforward. Verse two and three makes it pretty straightforward. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has, be, has come in the flesh is not of God. Remember Gnosticism, Docetism. Remember those things, that he, he didn't actually come in flesh, denying the incarnation of Jesus. This is C.S. Lewis's trilemma. Jesus is either a liar, he either lied, in which case he can't be a good prophet, for those claiming he's just a good prophet, he wasn't actually God in the flesh. He's either a liar, in which he can't be worshipped, can't be respected, or he's a lunatic. He truly believed that he was God, even though he wasn't, which means he can't be a good prophet, or he's Lord. That's the trilemma. And the first part of our test, if a spirit or an ideology is of God, is easy, is does it reject Jesus Christ, God in the flesh? If it does, it's an anti-Christ spirit. If it's anti-Christ, it's anti-Christ. We use this test on people, on people. This is why John's talking about false prophets. You need the boldness to be able to ask people what they believe, what they actually believe. Not that Jesus existed, not that you think he's cool, not that you read the Bible, not that you pray to God, not that you're super spiritual, Is Jesus God in the flesh and do you confess him as Lord? You'd be shocked at how many times I've had that conversation with people. And I think that we're on the same same talking field and and we're able to communicate in this this way. And and then I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Wait, Do you you actually confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Like, eh, well, not really. Dude, well, we can't, I can't help you with, with this problem if we don't first address this one. This is the test we use on false prophets, on people, on people. 
And 1 John 4, 5, we see the second part of our test. The first part of our test simply, does the spirit accept or reject Jesus Christ? Simply. We see the second part of our test in verse 5. They are, they are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. The world accepts them, accepts the ideology, accepts the ideas. If it walks like the world and talks like the world and smells like the world, it must be the world. John 15, 18 through 20 says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I choose, yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. I'm just so persecuted. Everyone hates me. The world hates me. Good. You're passing the test. You're passing the test. The temptation is to be accepted. Remember we said that acceptance is the world's currency and it's easy to fall into that trap. Don't be shocked when your sound doctrine and your ideologies rooted in truth are rejected by the world. Jesus has to expect that. So part two of our test is whether or not the spirit is accepted or rejected by the world. Accepted or rejected by the world. 1 John 4, 6 highlights the third part of our test, third and final part of our test in this portion of scripture. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Who is us? Not me. Us, Apostle John, the apostles. The authorities that wrote the New Testament, the scriptures, God's word, sound doctrine, the spirit of error resists, rejects, and is ultimately revealed by and with God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is the most definitive, articulate part of this test. It's why we see an attack on God's word all throughout our culture, the removal of God's word, the removal of it from our culture. If, if you're not in your Bible daily and pursuing the truth of his word, you might be swayed. You, ha you don't have that knowledge, his word, to hold it up against. So part three of our test is the spirit accepted or rejected by the word. First one, does it confess Jesus Christ? Accept or reject Jesus Christ. Part two, accepted or rejected by the world. Part three, accepted or rejected by God's word. And he holds his word above his name. Psalm 138, two, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word above all your name. Is it rejected or accepted by his word? That's our, our three-part test. If, if the ideology that you're coming up against 
If someone tries to explain something to you and it starts confusing you, think to yourself, does this person in this ideology accept or reject Jesus Christ? Okay, they, they, accept and, they, they accept and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Is that ideology accepted or rejected by the world? The world and their ideologies kind of line up with this red flag. Is that spirit accepted or rejected by God's word? Uh, you know what? There's a scripture that actually aligns with that. Good. Oh, no. That doesn't align with it. That's, those are our tests, our, our three-part tests. And we're culminating, we culminate this in verse 4 as John kind of writes this circularly in, in this section. He gives, us, he gives us a commandment. He tells us how to test it. And then he, he culminates in the middle in verse 4, gives us more tests, and then closes. But in verse 4, it says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, conquered them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The spirit, God's spirit, the Christ, Christ spirit in you is greater than that antichrist spirit that is in the world. And you might be in a place right now where you're realizing this. You're, you're holding up the ideologies of your life, the ideologies of your family, the ideologies that are, that are tempting you. You're holding them up against these tests, against God's word, and you're going, it doesn't line up. It doesn't line up. And you feel like there's no way, there's no possible way to get out of this ideology. There's no possible way to experience freedom. From, I'm not powerful enough. You aren't in your own flesh. You are not powerful enough in your own flesh. But you've either forgotten the power that Christ has given you through his spirit, or you haven't actually received it yet. You need to come to that place of understanding that you have, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you has power over the spirit of error, power over the spirit of the Antichrist. It says in James 5, verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. This is way more than just a Sunday morning thing, guys. This is way more than just hear it and then they're like, oh, that was cool. And then you just go home and you just go about consuming the ideologies, consuming and being swayed by the spirits of this world, the Antichrist spirits. It's more than that. It's more than just Sunday school. It's more than just VBS. This is a daily thing. This is a wake up in the morning read your Bible, figure out what you're about to do today is in truth or in error. Bringing all of the thoughts that you have captive to a mind of Jesus, bring it all into captivity. A true move of the spirit of God will confess Jesus as Lord. It will be rejected by the world and it will be accepted and upheld by his word. If you confess Jesus, the world will reject you. The world will reject you. But his word declares that he will uphold you. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your spirit. Lord, that we don't have to wonder whether or not 
We have power over this, Lord. We know we do because your power works through us and in us. Lord, as we, as we worship you, God, we, we lay it all at your feet. We ask that you would highlight for us these areas of our lives that need to be cleansed, these doctrines that need to be shattered, these false doctrines, these false prophets that we're listening to that are not of you. God, would you convict our hearts and show us, illuminate it ultimately through and by your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.